Well, it's Tuesday. We're getting closer to the biggest game in the Oregon-Washington rivalry ever. Yeah, that's right. Also, some recruiting news that uh, more than a few of us are interested in later in the show. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I am your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. So if you have not already, like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, please and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Locked On College for $20 off your first ticket purchase. All righty. Oregon, Washington talk. And then Brian Smith is coming up later in uh, today's show. I know a lot of us are anxious about the Elijah rushing situation. He's got some great, great insight there as always. But this game against Washington, it is college game day. Uh, Josh Pate of the late kick over at CBS Sports and 24-7. He is going there for the Once Upon a Saturday tour. It's a top 10 showdown. Everything is set for this to be a massive game. The bragging rights are going to be huge. And as you look at the history of this rivalry, which will continue in the Big Ten, and you know the, the Civil War, which won't continue, uh, as at least that's how it appears right now. I talked about that more on yesterday's show, if you want to check it out. The one that I come back to for the biggest matchup we've ever had with Oregon State was 2009. I don't think it gets much bigger than that, because it was quite literally before the Pac-12 was formed, right? right? It was uh, two years before Utah and Colorado joined, so there was no conference championship game. Winner went to the Rose Bowl, okay? Now, those sorts of stakes are not directly on the line here against Washington, but boy, oh boy, are they close. This is the biggest matchup in the history of Oregon and Washington. And it doesn't sound right when you say that, but when you look at the details, it actually tracks. And the reason is that when Oregon and Washington, over the last 20, 30 years, when both have been, you know, at various points in time relevant at a national level in college football, they have not been at the same level at the same time the way they are right now. If you go back to the 90s, it was dominated by Washington. Of course, you look back in retrospect and say, well, Kenny Wheaton was the biggest play in this uh, in this matchup, maybe the biggest play in Oregon football history. I, I, I tend to lean towards, yes, that is the case. But you didn't know that going into the game. Because Oregon was, you know, trying to establish themselves, ended up having a good season, of course, and Wheaton changed everything, and Kenny Wheaton's going to score, and Kenny Wheaton is always going to score. Shout out to the great Jerry Allen. But then when Oregon became relevant on a national level with, with Mike Bellotti, Washington was, you know, really good, but not quite as good uh, as Oregon they had a couple seasons in there, but you know, then Oregon really started to dominate. Like since the turn of the century, Oregon's dominated the, the season series with Washington, right? I, I didn't look up the exact numbers, but there was a stretch where Oregon won 12 in a row. When Chip Kelly brought us onto the national scale, Washington was down. Washington had the winless season in, I think it was 2008 or 2009, where they went 0-12. So then Oregon ascended and Washington was fighting to get back and they did eventually, but didn't beat Oregon until 2016. That's when Washington got to the playoff. What happened that year? Oregon had one of their just two losing seasons this century when we went 4-8 and eight under what was ultimately the last year of Mark Helfrich's uh, tutelage as the Oregon football coach. 
So then Oregon was building back up and Washington ascended and then Oregon reascended and Washington fell down a little bit. But now Washington is back up and Oregon is back up. So this is the highest ranked matchup of all time. These teams have not played from the history that I was able to dig up. They have not played when both are ranked inside the top 10. So that's on the line. The winner of this game is probably inside the top five, maybe even the top four for the college football playoff. I'm not sure when those rankings come out, but at the very least, the winner of this game controls their own fate to get into the college football playoff. You have a win like this on your resume, the stage that it is, the quality of team that you're playing. It is a marquee win in the 2023 season. And both teams are really looking for that, by the way. You know, Colorado was, you know, overhyped, right? It was a big game because of Colorado's brand and Dion and everything, but Colorado was never actually a great team. They're they're a decent team, but they're not a great team. They struggled on the road with ASU, who might go 1-11 this season. So th- th- this is a game that has got all the rivalry, all the, all the juices from that, all the stakes, everything is there. So whoever wins this game has got their biggest win of the season, controls their path to the college football playoff. The path to the Pac-12 championship game becomes abundantly clear and quite realistic, frankly. Now, the loser of the game is not automatically out of the running for a college football playoff spot or a Pac-12 championship game berth. The winner just has a huge leg up. They'll have the head-to-head, and they won't have a loss yet in conference play. So it is massive. And then... You just throw in the fact that it's Oregon and Washington and everything that happened last year. And the way that game went, and we've waited and waited for a chance to get the dogs back, and this is the week. This is the week. Here's the moment. It is here. Today's only Tuesday. As you're listening to or watching the show, maybe it's Wednesday. But still, everything is set for this to be a massive game. It's college game day. It's everything about it has got the stakes essentially maxed out for what you could have for these teams playing their last year in the Pac-12, by the way, before they go to the Big Ten, at this point in the season. The stakes really can't be higher. Both teams are 5-0 in the top 10, college football playoff, Pac-12 championship aspirations. Everything's on the line here. It, it, it It is such a massive game. I don't know that the stakes could be any higher because you, you've got the rivalry component. But then you also have the brand component because these two were, you know, the ones who announced the move that ultimately triggered the other three, four corner schools to go to the Big 12. And then uh, the Pac-12 fizzled out from there and Oregon State and Washington State are currently all that remain. But that's all a backdrop to the actual football, which is what I love most about. And I talked about that a lot on yesterday's show that like, you know, the Big Ten schedule came out. Okay, just focus on what we have here. The Pac-12 is the deepest conference in America. These are the two best teams to this point that I have seen. Washington's only a three-point favorite at home, meaning that Vegas thinks this is going to be a tight competitive game. You've got Heisman Trophy quarterbacks at the helm of, of each of these programs. I think the winner also gets a huge bump in the Heisman Trophy campaign. Absolutely. When you win a game like this, you, you just got so much going into this game that leads you to believe this is everything that it has been hyped up to be. And if Oregon wins, it'll be the biggest win of Dan Lanning's career. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because frankly, this is the biggest game of Dan Lanning's career, Right. I never thought we were going to be Georgia. And then last year, Oregon just didn't play a game of this magnitude. They didn't. They had some they had some really good wins, right? The UCLA game, college game day last year. Yeah, that was a big time win. 
That's probably that or the Utah game are the biggest wins. I'd probably go with UCLA, and it's a lot more similar to that. Oregon was, I think, five and one at that point. UCLA was six and zero. I think that is more comparable to what we have here than the Utah game last year, where Oregon was just trying to you know, reassert itself as a Pac-12 title contender and rebound from the loss to Washington, which they did in a big way. This is a massive stage. It is bigger than the Colorado game. It's not going to get the viewership of the Colorado game because Dion isn't there. But a lot of eyeballs will be watching. Everything is on the line. Oregon fans want to win. Washington fans want to win. Both quarterbacks are really good. I, I, I just think it is going to be a perfect stage for her rivalry in college football. It, it is going to be, I, I think, the same sort of vibe that Red River had last week. It's a big rivalry. Conference title and college football playoff implications are at play. The loser's not out of it, but the loser is certainly disadvantaged in in their pursuit of those particular goals. So I, I cannot wait for this week. Um, a lot of us are, you know, perhaps more than normal focused on recruiting. We got to get to Brian Smith. And of course we will. We got to get to prize picks too. Obviously, prize picks, the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more more than or less than two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. You get them really quickly as well within 60 seconds. And you can test your skills this football season by going in there and looking at player props and saying, I like this matchup. I don't like that matchup. Maybe you like a quarterback over passing yards, a receiver under receiving yards, a running back over rushing yards. Whatever you want, prize picks has it for you. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college. Use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Prizepicks.com slash locked on college. Use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Do you want to go to the Washington game this Saturday? Maybe you do and you don't have your tickets yet. Game time is the way to do that. You shouldn't have to worry when buying your tickets to your next big event. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event, and even an hour after it starts, it's the place to find last-minute seats. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-C-O-L-L-E-G-E. That's LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. I'm so ready for this Saturday. Absolutely ready. I think a lot of you are ready to hear from Brian Smith. So let's bring on our recruiting insider brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Well, I don't know if I've ever received as many requests from you all out there after one particular piece of news to bring on Brian Smith. But after the Elijah Rushing announcement that he's opened up his recruitment, I had messages pouring in on YouTube and Twitter. And I mean, I mean, everywhere it was, hey, ask Brian about this. Hey, what does Brian think about this? Well, guess what? Look, there he is. Here's Brian Smith, our Locked On Recruiting Insider here at the network. Let's start with just your reaction, Brian, to Elijah Rushing reopening his commitment, decommitting from uh, Arizona. What did you think? Stunned. I hadn't heard any anything, and it's not like I follow Arizona high school football that close, but he is a dude 
I didn't know anything about it. And there it is. I, I pull up his dad's commenting on it, etc. They're looking at a different direction. They want to go somewhere that's, you know, better program right now. I'll give credit to Arizona. They've improved, but I understand his point. And of course that squarely puts the ducks back in the conversation. That's a top 15 team by anybody's opinion. And I think top 10. So there you go. Um, as for the ducks before you even ask, kind of hard not to favor him, wouldn't it be? Because that's the program. I thought that's where he was going last time, but at the same time, he surprised us all with Arizona. So I'm going to hold off on any predictions for you ask me. Yeah, <laughs> that's that. Like that was the one I was like, okay, I didn't see that. Coming. Yeah, that that's that that's completely fair, and it does feel like this is very up in the air. And Oregon is, as you said, squarely in the mix. They're far from the only uh, school that's involved with his uh, newly opened recruitment, but Oregon is certainly going to have a chance. And, you know, you'd come on here and talked about his uh, original commitment that it came down to Oregon and Tennessee. Tennessee is reportedly still going to be in the mix. Oregon still going to be in the mix. Who else is going to be after uh, Elijah Rushing? It's easier to go down the list of who is not. Okay. Because he's the pass rush. Like seriously, like. Well, I mean, there are over 120 FBS schools, Brian. So are you telling me one one yeah 123? So are you telling me that there are? <laughs> are you telling me there are over 125 schools that are that we should talk about here? Like, if you had to narrow the list down to a top five to ten, maybe is that how many we're talking about here? Like, how many schools are going after him? I would say realistically five to fifteen. It just depends on what the parents and stuff want from phone calls. But whatever the list is, it it has to, whether they want it to or not, to be dwindled to three to five almost immediately because of the time frame. We're just over two months to signing day, and I can tell you that in-season game day official visits are stressful. High school coaches hate them because it takes their play away from their, their program and all that. So maybe one or two visits and maybe an unofficial visit or something. But Oregon, I would assume Tennessee – maybe Arizona state, although they're not very good. So they don't fit the profile as dad was talking about in the interview and anybody out there, you can look it up. I would imagine this is, this is going to be a pretty quick one. My question is always the same. And I, I say it on this show and many others all the time. Don't go by what they say, go by what they do. Where does rushing visit next or visits as it may be? That's the thing to track Arizona, Arizona state are down the road. Does he take any more visits outside the confines of the state of Arizona. That, that is really the, because if it's Tennessee or Oregon, I mean, he's been, but the more recent vibe, does he want to check it? I don't know. Those are the things I would look at. And I don't know the kid personally, but since again, he picked Arizona and nobody really picked him to go there. He's a little different. It's going to be a little harder to follow. So the only thing I can say is just go by what he does and we'll figure it out from there. So when is he expected to, to take these visits? Is there a timeline on, on when he's going to commit or is this all fluid up in the air and we just kind of have to monitor it day by day, week by week? You answered it. Okay, gotcha. Uh, that's, and, and it's okay now. Keep in mind, this just happened. That same questioning in, say, 72 hours, it could bring up many different answers. They may not have a definitive plan yet, and it's just – in progress. It's, there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm sure the parents, the, the high school coaches that I guarantee you among others want this to be over sooner than later. Cause it's not fun to have all these coaches. They're, they're literally, I know how this works. They're literally going to get bombarded. There'll be schools that weren't in his final 10 
that are going to hammer them. Um, I'll give you an example. There's a kid I went to see recently and I was in their locker room at a practice here in Florida where I live and he reached into his locker. He had a stack from LSU. Just like the, sometimes these school like, and I'm like, Oh my God. Wait, wait, wait. Was, I, I, just to be clear, a stack of what? Not money. It's recruiting, Brian. It's the well, NIL world. I don't know. Just like every single coach had sent him a package, like personal. That And now because we're down to the nitty gritty and there's hardly any pass rushers left and that's a premium position and he's a five star. Do you want to be his postman? I wouldn't because it's not going to be friendly. Is he getting like pamphlets like for a retirement home? Like come to LSU. <laughs> like like what is in like what what's in the the oh, uh, the paper that they're sending brian is just shaking his head over here <laughs> every school does it and it's they'll put in written letters different things pictures of the stadium okay. academics it's everything that you could imagine but when a kid reopens his recruitment like this it just restarts it's like the calendar started over but in a shortened oh it's it can be gruesome because the mailman's going to be cussing him you know, he's like, come yeah. on, this I got a whole bundle. This, this <laughs> I can't even fit it in yeah. your mailbox. That's it. No, like literally, it'll be a drop off at the door. Okay, so. gotcha. Okay. So just just to recap on, on rushing, recruitment's back open, timeline uncertain, got to follow where he's going to be taking a visit. Oregon is in the mix. Lots of other big time schools are in the mix. And there wow. will be more that reach out to him to say, hey, if you're not going to Arizona, you didn't consider us heavily before but you should definitely consider us. Is there, is there anything else that, that Oregon fans need to be up to date on, on Elijah rushing? You hit it. All right. I mean, it, it, it should be fun though, because this, this is one of the few guys still left on the board. That's that high. Right. It'll be easy to focus. Yeah, This is a him. top, this is, this is a top 30 player in the country, right? hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of top 30 players, another one that's still on the board is Aiden Breland, five-star defensive lineman from modern day high school. Oregon missed out on his teammate, Brandon Baker, who chose the Texas Longhorns. He is making his commitment verbally because as we know, verbal commitments are, it's like being a leader in a race. Like you haven't crossed the finish line just yet, lest we forget the Peyton Bowen uh, situation. He commits on Saturday. Oregon and Georgia have, along with Miami, I, I think have been kind of the final three here. At least that's what he's put out publicly. I've heard Oregon and Georgia are kind of the top two there. What should Oregon fans expect to hear from Aiden Breland on Saturday? Same thing. Uh, it's not what you say, it's what you do. His most recent visit was to Athens. I'm taking the Bulldogs. Prove me wrong. That's simple. Still I mean, hope for Oregon, though? Like it's not an oh, all hope absolutely. is lost situation? Okay. There's a couple of kids this year that I was adamant were going to school X. And then I got phone calls like 24 hours before, like this has changed. That's recruiting. And these kids picked other schools. Uh, right. One would be Elijah rushing for exit. Right. Exactly. It looked like Elijah rushing was going to Oregon. That was 100%. what everything was trending. And then 24 to 36 hours, I had a couple people uh, send me a message say, Hey, I think he's going to Arizona. And I was like, what? What are you? Really? Yeah, that one, it was an all-timer. I'm like, are you serious? But Georgia's not as shocking. It's freaking Georgia. Yeah. And he was, his last visit was to Georgia. So is anybody shocked by that? You shouldn't be. Okay. 
Got it. Well, we'll watch out uh, for that as Oregon still is looking for their first five-star in the 2024 cycle. They're sitting number 13 nationally in the 24-7 composite rankings. We did get a chance to see Dan Lanning uh, tweet out his iconic duck emoji where every time Oregon gets a commitment, he just tweets a duck. Nothing else. It's just the, it's just the, reg- the regular duck emoji, and Oregon fans go nuts every time that happens, uh, of course. Junior college prospect for 2024, Sione Laulea. I hope I'm pronouncing that uh, correctly. I practiced before I came on the show to the best of my ability. If I'm not, by all means, someone can let me know. This is the number one junior college cornerback, as in defensive back, coming to the Ducks in the 2024 cycle. Uh, what do you see from this guy, Brian? I watched his film, and I was I was a little leery because usually once kids get above six foot one, you're like, yeah, he's not going to play corner. That kid's fluid, brother. There's a reason that he's got like Miami and Oregon and all these schools that came after him. Can't teach the length. He's at least 6'3". I mean, he could play free safety, but he's a dude. Um, If Oregon, let's hypothetically say they land him, that's a guy that can plug and play. He can come in and like that. It'll be the first year for them in the Big Ten, by the way. Against some of those big receivers, Penn State, Ohio State, et cetera. If you're going to compete with him, you need bigger corners. That's a big plus for Lane. I see he's a He's a defensive guy anyway, but that's what they need. And I tell you what, that that kid doesn't – he's not getting a lot of recognition because he's a junior college player. He's going to play early somewhere. So six foot three, I hear that, and I think of Oregon's current number one corner, who will be big this weekend against Washington, Kyrie Jackson, who also once upon a time – was playing junior college football before he transferred to Alabama and then came to the Ducks this offseason and has been uh, really, really uh, good this year so far and is one of the most important players this Saturday against the Huskies. Are there any similarities outside of being six foot three between Laulea and, and Kyrie Jackson? Just their athleticism, uh, the ability to turn and run at their size is just rare as all get out. Usually kids like that, they just, they can't hang with guys doing double moves, et cetera. These two are just more fluid. Uh, Jackson's going to get paid. And so is this the kid Sion. He's going to get paid too. Uh, just a matter of when. When do they turn pro? So, yeah, if you have guys like that, you change your defense, man. It changes how your play call. It changes what you do in the back end, blitzing. There's a reason corners are so coveted. And this is a great example. Fantastic stuff today. More to come on the show. Brian Smith is at FB Scout underscore Florida on Twitter, our Locked On Recruiting Insider. Brian, very much appreciated. Thanks so much. Absolutely, buddy. Thank you very much. Well, Oregon doesn't want their defense or offense to be caught unprepared for Washington this week, and you don't want to be caught unprepared either. That's why you need the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it takes to get a Jace case is fill out a simple online form and, in some cases, jump on a quick call with one of their board-certified physicians. Get ongoing care from their physicians on any treatment-related questions. Doctor created, doctor recommended. Don't be caught unprepared. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected expected. Jace handles everything from online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Get $20 off these life-saving antibiotics and get your Jace case today from Jace Medical by using my code Locked On at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Use that code Locked On. Get $20 off your Jace case today. Okie dokie. Let's get into the mailbag. YouTube comments available twitter also available at smalls underscore 55 or at locked on ducks dms and mentions wide open 
You can also get priority mailbag questions, talk with me more one-on-one, get breaking news as I hear it reported and such if you go join the Locked On Ducks subtext community, all that over there. Uh, Link in the description below wherever you're listening to or watching this show. This question from Matt. Today's Locked On Washington compared Oregon's defense to Arizona. If you think it's wise and have the time sometime these next eight days... I believe a breakdown of the differences between Oregon and Arizona would be helpful to understand how exactly the Washington homers are inaccurate. Keep up the good work. So I didn't see what uh, my guy Roman Tomashoff at Locked on Huskies, who does a really good job for him over there, uh, who we'll hear from later this week, probably on Friday's show, to do previews and uh, predictions of the game. Didn't hear exactly what what he said over there, but j- just as a big picture thing, I watched that Arizona game, went back and you know watched some extended highlights uh, as well, and just kind of looked at what Arizona's defense brings to the table versus what I've seen from Oregon, and you know what I saw from Oregon against that Washington team a, a year ago, just to kind of you know get a sense of what things look like. Um, I, I, I don't think that Arizona number one has the star power that, that the ducks do both from an impact player standpoint, but also from like a literal star power, uh, standpoint, just from, you know, the 27, 24, seven sports rankings or anything like that. So that's the first difference for sure. But Arizona is a much improved team on the defensive side of the ball. They have held, this is true in regulation, both USC and Washington, to their lowest point totals of the season. That, that that defense is not a complete and total slouch. Now, they did have to force a fumble inside the five-yard line late in that Washington game to stop the Huskies from making it a 21-point lead. However, they did that because they have better playmakers than they had a season ago. Our old friend Justin Flo is averaging seven and a half tackles a game. That's top five in the Pac-12. He's been good for him. They have uh, a Haimuli, a linebacker transfer from Washington, who uh, has been, I, I think, a regular contributor for them. They brought in some other guys who have just been solid, and, and their defense is much better than it was a year ago. Arizona is not a bad team in uh, in, in 2023, but uh, they, they're certainly not where Oregon is at. So they don't quite have the star power. I don't see any NFL players on, on that side of the ball for them, whereas I see a couple for the Ducks. But the Wildcats are pretty physical. I, I think their front seven does a nice job of being sufficiently physical to keep their team uh, competitive against, you know, rosters that you look out on paper, certainly, and say, hey, they're more talented than them. I, I think that's absolutely true. Here's the difference. When I watch Arizona's defense and when I watch this Oregon defense, I think Oregon is much faster. I think the overall team speed, particularly on the back end, but at the linebacker level too, but really with the secondary I think that's where Oregon's got the biggest difference is I think just the the speed and ferocity with which they are able to play is, is a much, much better unit for, for Oregon than, than Arizona. And, and you kind of expect that, right? Like we should be able to recruit uh, players and develop a roster that is, you know, overall more talented, not always necessarily more well coached, though they certainly have been this season but certainly more talented than what uh, Arizona is able to put together as they're, you know, in the midst of their rebuild. And I think Jed Fish, by the way, is doing a a really nice job. I think he's a good football coach. So I think speed is uh, the biggest thing there. One thing you saw in that Arizona game is what Oregon had uh, against Washington last year, which, you know, I was frustrated with after the game. I remember it's like, man, there was just so much soft zone. You just eight to 10 yard cushions. And that's indicative of, 
I think not having enough speed to match up with Washington's wide receivers, who as a unit are probably the best in the country. I think you'd look at Ohio State's and say Emeka Buka and Marvin Harrison are outstanding. So too are Roma Dunze and Jalen McMillan and Jalen Polk and Jeremy Bernard. I, I think Washington's a little deeper on that front. And, and we know Penix is really good, but I, I think the speed uh, is kind of the, the biggest difference there. Uh, this from Rick Goodman was asking about the implications of having a top 10 defense and offense before the season. Now, I before the season said, hey, I, I think Oregon's got the personnel here to have a top 10 offense again, and perhaps a top 30 defense would get them to where they need to go. Oregon right now, defensively, is looking outstanding on both sides of the ball. If they have a top 10 offense and defense, the team's going to be in the college football playoff. We'll see if the numbers they have right now are able to hold up, but they're leading the Pac-12 in passing yards per game. They're allowing you know, less than 13 points per game so far this season. If they go throughout the course of this Pac-12 schedule, which is loaded with good teams, and they you know, are holding opponents by the end of it to under 20 points a game, then yeah, that's a team that we're going to be talking about as the Pac-12 champion and the call in, in, in the college football playoff. That That's where it'll end up being. Top 10 offense and top 30 defense, which is what I wanted before the season and what I was looking for, gives Oregon a chance to win the Pac-12 and, you know, might need a bounce of ball or, uh, you know, win a close game here and there uh, to to get to the college football playoff. But if you tell me right now, Oregon's got a top 10 offense and defense by the time the year comes to a close nationally, yeah, they're, they're, they're probably going to be in the college football playoff. Last one here from Peyton. Let me ask you this. Do you think there's any guy who transferred out of the program that you think could benefit us now? It doesn't have to be a player who transferred out this year. So I thought about this in the context of, okay, well, as we've watched Oregon through the first five games, what is the team missing? Kind of hard to come up with stuff, right? Secondary. They look awesome. Linebackers, way improved. Defensive line, probably the best unit on the defensive side of the ball, which is incredible because it was probably the worst unit a season ago. They have gotten so much better. Players have improved who are returning, and they've brought in new talent, and they're making a difference in a big, big way. Then you go offensively. Well, you know, do they, what about uh, the offensive line? Well, kind of top five in the country in sacks allowed this year. We'll see how well they're able to run the football against Washington. They struggled against Texas Tech, but they've done it really, really well in every other game since then. Well, the receivers are really deep to the point where talented guys like Kyler Casper and Jurion Dickey don't crack the rotation or Chris Hudson don't crack the starting rotation of wide receivers. So I just kept thinking and going through. I can only come up with a couple. Um, I'll start with the tight end position. Maybe, like m- m- maybe, maybe. Um, I think Casey Kelly's been a real solid number three tight end. He caught a touchdown against Colorado, has done some good things. Patrick Herbert has elevated his game. He's playing the best football of his career by far from what we've seen. Terrence Ferguson, I remain adamant that's an NFL guy. So, I mean, maybe you could say Maliki Matavau or Cam McCormick would be better than Casey Kelly, but I haven't seen anything to indicate that, that Casey Kelly's been a liability, a problem, or anything other than a solid depth piece tight end. So, I, yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe there. Um, Keith Brown at linebacker, again, maybe. Like, if Keith Brown stays, does Bryce Betcher have to step into that role? Probably not. Has Bryce Betcher also been pretty good? Yeah, he looks pretty good. <laughs> looks like he's just a pretty solid football player. 
And Keith Brown has since gone on to Louisville where he's not cracking the rotation. Louisville's a good football team, by the way. They're 6-0 under Jeff Brom. But, um, I, again, that, that's, that's a maybe. So when you look at the list of guys who have transferred out, they're not doing a lot at their new stops, and I don't know that they would have been major players for the Ducks. Here's the one. This is honestly the most likely one. I think between Seven McGee, Sean Dollars, or Byron Cardwell, we'd be talking about one of them stepping up in the loss of Noah Whittington as the number three back this year. I I think the best answer to this question, Peyton, is Sean Dollars because I was always high on Dollars. I liked when he was involved in the offense last year, thought he did a lot of really good things, was a pretty highly touted recruit. He's gone to Nevada, not done a ton, but I don't think they have a very good football team around him. So... I think if he'd stayed at Oregon, he'd be the number three back going into this game against Washington. And that would, I think, help. He's, you know, a little bit different, more of a pass catching guy of sorts, but certainly capable of running between the tackles. I thought he had a lot of upside uh, when I saw him play for the Ducks. And, you know, without Noah Whittington, I I think that'd be the guy. But, you know, Jordan James has stepped up and we'll see if Jaden Lamar or Dante Dowdell, probably Lamar, uh, gets a lot of touches this week against the Huskies, but we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. So uh, really interesting question. And you look at the lineup of guys, you know, Dante Thornton, I think was the most highly touted recruit who left uh, in the last year or two. Uh, you look at a guy like uh, Kingsley Suamatia, who's at BYU. We have a Johnny Cornelius. I feel pretty good about a Johnny. He looks like a beast. Um, a lot of the guys who have left, who you just look at and go, yeah, don't think you'd be starting right now. And I think that Oregon has improved uh, in in a lot of ways. But dollars is the one where I'd go, yeah, maybe maybe wouldn't be a terrible idea to 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 have him right now. But I think Oregon can be just fine. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and go Ducks.